0: are we live can you see me
1: yeah I can see you
0: well you're in the room you should be able to see me (laughs) 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 hello God bless and welcome I'm Kevin Haggerty you're watching the God logic project where we discuss maintaining a Christian worldview in a post-christian America uh, how that looks like how that looks like in everyday life uh, how we can uh, how we can apply that in everyday life and uh, we kind of put together an emergency uh, show I'm getting a lot of calls here during the lockdown during the coronavirus lockdown Getting a lot of calls, a lot of text messages about people going back out, uh, addicts, alcoholics going back out, uh, overdose and committing suicide. I've had uh, an overdose hit my family this week, my son's mother. Uh, so it uh, just was on my heart this morning to, uh, to do an emergency broadcast, in essence, of the God Logic Project. And i uh, got a couple of uh, local recovery professionals who are nice enough to come in on short notice, and we're going to talk to them today about uh, tonight about the importance of uh, or the dangers of isolating when you're in recovery. So addicts and isolation, as you're about to find out, don't go together very well. So we're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to play the intro music. Hello, God bless and welcome. I'm Kevin Haggerty, and this is the God Logic Project. Shut up, Kevin. That's right, I'm Kevin. <laughs> I'm Kevin it's Haggerty, awesome. and that's Mike Houston telling me to shut up like he does every week. I couldn't help but notice I was the only one dancing for the intro music. So, uh, you know, got, you got to get hip. I mean, if you, it's yeah, hip to we'll be square. for next time. Uh, so I have in the studio uh, a couple of professionals in the recovery community here in Tampa Bay. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, kind of the dangers and, and the, uh, the uh, perils of an alcoholic or an addict being alone, right, being in isolation or being in lockdown, uh, and we're going to uh, – We're going to go through uh, some of our personal experiences in the last couple months, what we're seeing in both in social media and, unfortunately, in real life uh, of folks uh, that are just not handling isolation very well, especially early in recovery. Uh, And then we're not going to leave you there. We're going to come up with some solutions for you. So I want you to stay tuned. But first, I'm going to go around the room, and I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. Lauren, what's your name? (laughs)
2: I'm Lauren Herman.
0: Lauren, uh, welcome. And you are with?
2: I'm with Recovery Epicenter Foundation.
0: Recovery Epicenter Foundation. That is quite a coincidence because my other guest, Will. Will? (laughs) Yes, sir. Recovery Epicenter Foundation, am I right?
1: Yes, sir. With Recovery Epicenter Foundation.
0: So you guys are the epicenter of recovery in Tampa Bay. That's correct. We
1: hope to be. It's a good recovery community organization that helps individuals as much as we possibly can throughout this pandemic as well as just in everyday life, accomplishing regular, uh, overcoming regular obstacles to early recovery.
0: So what do you guys do, uh, 9 to 5, uh, what do you do uh, at Recovery Epicenter that, that, to serve the, uh, the recovery community? So primarily we're working
1: on Narcan distribution as well as uh, recovery coaching. So what we've recently done actually is gotten attached to Faces and Voices Recovery Capital Assessment and we are in the process of helping people in early recovery develop their own recovery capital through this assessment.
0: Really, what is recovery capital? So recovery
1: capital is actually a really cool thing. A lot of the times in the professional world, we look at it from an acute care model. And that acute care model is, is this person in danger of withdrawal? Is his body and mind uh, sound? Is he going to immediately return to active drug and alcohol use? And so the recovery capital piece of it is all the other factors that go into a person's life that contribute to whether they stay sober or not. Developing a community, developing a spiritual experience, uh, developing emotional ties, as well as jobs, housing, food, basic
0: necessities. So you, you help lead people through the process. And it is quite a process to go from, basically, from jails, institution, and near death, the streets, Uh, to to getting your life back and and getting all the things that that just average people have in their lives. Um, Yes, sir. And and so, Lauren, then, what do you do for Recovery Epicenter?
2: Um, I'm basically the Narcan distribution. Um, Recently we've um, paired up with a few different ministries. Um, One of them is they distribute food to the homeless, so they're going to include Narcan into that. So...
0: Yeah, that's excellent. So yeah. the, And we're going to talk Narcan tonight because I've done a Narcan, ep, Narcan episode and I'll put, a, I'll put a card. Wait, where am I? I'll put a card right here uh, where you can click on the Narcan episode that we already did. So we've, uh, uh, we're going to talk uh, solutions to the isolation, right? So we're going to focus particularly on, on opiates. Uh, when we're talking Narcan, we're talking opiate addiction. Which is just ravaging uh, certainly West Pasco County right now, and it, and it's not limited. I mean, there there is no uh, there's nowhere where I've heard, in my experience, a good oxycontin story. So for me, it, it's never ended well. And I've had surgeries and haven't taken them uh, just because I know so many guys that they were contractors making two or three hundred thousand dollars a year. Then I see him in front of Seven Eleven looking for quarters for cigarettes. You know, same guy that used to pay me big money to be his plumber now uh lost everything and it all it all around uh back surgery or, or some kind of injury that is common in construction right so we all suffer those injuries and
1: it's getting even more dangerous out there with the fentanyl explosion because they seem to be including that in everything yes yeah. cocaine uh opiates they're even making their own pills out there right now and a report that has recently come out from the pasco sheriff's office indicates that while opiates still do command the largest number of overdoses, cocaine and meth included with fentanyl in it are also major contributors to this epidemic. So while people are staying at home and isolating from one another, they've all been fed this idea of social distancing when really what we need to be doing is practicing safe, healthy, physical distancing as opposed to isolating from the people who are a part of our community. So right now, people in early recovery or thinking about getting sober or getting healthy they don't know where to go or where to turn i mean we were talking before the show and it's a very difficult time for somebody in early recovery who isn't stabilized to maintain and not return to an active way of life that in this day and age is actively killing them
0: well it's it, here's the problem i think uh, with it's been my experience with alcoholics we uh, i'm an alcoholic mainly so you get a lot of what i'm going to talk about Uh, Comes from that angle, so there wasn't a ton of pills to take when I was a kid. Quaaludes, but they were like this big, so nobody took them, uh, except for Led Zeppelin. Uh, The uh, uh, alcoholics tend to do everything backwards. Addicts tend to do everything backwards. So when we feel lonely, we isolate, right? When we feel depressed, the first thing we do is drink a depressant. Uh, so it is uh, is very dangerous you talk about the physical distancing which we're doing in the studio right now by the way uh, we've set it up to do that here in the studio tonight but it's the emotional distancing that's killing these guys it's the uh, the social distancing and, and the implications of that are very dangerous now there uh, I had a lady uh, uh, I'll kind of give you a, 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 a single scenario of what uh, what I've gone through in the last few weeks or the last couple months with with the uh, uh, with the addiction with the lockdown Uh before the lockdown, I had a lady, her, her, some, her nephew or cousin or something like that, uh, overdosed, and they, they got him, and, uh, and he lived through it, and she wanted to know if I could help him. And, and ultimately, I tried to get him into treatment, and they, the family decided to do it themselves. The upside is he was doing well, right? He was going to the gym. he's going to meetings. He's driving, picking up people for meetings and doing all the right things. And then the quarantine comes. Now he's early in recovery. There's no gym there's no meetings anymore. There's no coffee after the meetings. And, uh, he's, he's now locked up in the house and, uh, he, he OD'd and passed away in his thirties. I'm So sorry to hear that. So it's the a very common story, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's something that, uh, uh, I'm hearing way too much of. So if you follow me on Facebook, you're seeing two or three of these every day, uh, which is what made me think when we talked this morning, uh, to, to kind of do this show. So the, uh, uh, it's, it's a whole different ballgame, I think, when you're dealing with opiates. So they, and a lot of the complaints I've been hearing is, why, why is a liquor store uh, an essential service? But if you're an alcoholic, they need that alcohol or they will die, right? So we, you're, believe it or not, keeping people alive in this, in this uh, scenario by having that liquor store open, as it, crazy and counterintuitive as that is. But that's legal right then you go to the the life of an addict where the alcohol isn't enough and they need the opiates uh and you're going to get it wherever you're going to do what you need to do to get it and you're going to get it wherever you can get it and uh and, and fentanyl is a big problem so i had a family member get out of jail three weeks ago and uh last monday uh od passed away and so uh uh it is this is it, it's hard enough to recover from addiction uh, but add isolation into this equation and it's brutal so if these people aren't already in a, in a sober living facility where they're surrounded by like-minded people who are in recovery that can push and pull each other through the recovery process uh, they is very very difficult for to to get through this process on your own I certainly couldn't have done it uh, way back in the day by myself I needed back then adults in my life to lead me through and guide me through this process and they literally babysat me uh for the first 60 days you know
1: we all need that yeah that's the thing none of us get sober alone
0: and that it's a matter of uh uh, it's a matter of accountability it's a matter of community it's a matter of developing some form of self-worth again right so you uh uh, socially you come into recovery feeling kind of worthless i mean i don't know anybody that doesn't right you don't get to the rooms on a winning streak right you get there in the, under the worst possible conditions. so uh uh what are you what are you hearing lauren uh you're more plugged into the community even than i am what are you hearing uh uh how do you how do you hear what are you hearing about folks how they're handling this especially early in recovery
2: well um i know that for me personally that feeling of connectedness was something that i yearned for in my active addiction so um i know that to be true for others as well and um they're they're definitely feeling lonely um a lot of them are out of work because they're servers um and so they have the financial stress on top of it um so yeah they're really struggling
0: so it is it literally if whatever momentum they had whatever forward momentum they had even a couple months ago is gone now and it is uh like I said, if they're if they're in a, a sober living facility with ten or twelve other people early in recovery, you know, they got a little bit of a chance that, you know, they got some teamwork there. But if you can't go to uh, if you can't go to a twelve step meeting, uh, and, and you can do it online and I've been doing it online, but I can tell you it's not the same thing and, and the
2: Absolutely not the
0: uh, same thing. The accountability online is not like the accountability when we're having coffee afterwards and, and you're like, you know, what's going on with you? You're not yourself. You know, it's very hard to tell that uh online computer screen yeah and i could literally be taking myself i could literally turn my camera off take a swig of a bottle and turn my camera back on and the people wouldn't know it right so it is a very very different uh, experience uh especially for people that are new so it, it you know you, you get a few years under your belt and you've got tools and you've got people you call and, and you're used to calling them right so in the beginning it's it's very hard to make that phone call and, and it just feels to,
1: like it's a thousand pounds that phone.
0: Right, and talk about your feelings and things like that. But that's what we need to do. So, what old timers tell newcomers to do are the same things the old timers are doing to be old timers, right? Yeah. So the uh, uh but that is that is a process, and that's not something you just you just. It's not a light that comes on all of a sudden. it it it, it takes personal discipline in the beginning, and maybe later it becomes spiritual muscle memory. Uh, but very difficult stuff. So the uh, uh, tell me, Will, you uh, you run uh, Recovery Epicenter, and we're going to show the the uh, Recovery Epicenter website here in a minute. But the uh, uh, do you guys follow this on social media? Because I had only begun to follow this on social media because of the the lockdown, right? When everybody started putting up fresh pages of local recovery pay, uh, groups, and uh, I'm seeing a lot of people, a lot of people on social media that are that that are they're either out or they're they're ready to go out. Well, and
1: it's a natural byproduct, unfortunately, of this whole thing because people who are already stabilized in their recovery are kind of circling the wagons through this point. They have their fellowship, they have their community, and they're just surviving continually. But what is great about recovery in normal times is that reaching out one addict, one alcoholic, trying to help the next. Yeah, And that's what's missing right now. Yeah. So all of those people who we otherwise would have been able to see, would have been able to work with, would have been able to help, are now falling away because they hadn't gotten to that point of stabilization yet when this whole thing went down. And so the question becomes, in this age of social distancing, how do we maintain community? Yeah. How do we reach these individuals who are feeling alone, feeling like nobody knows what they're going through, what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what they're struggling with? How do we help them without propagating and hurt and and, uh, continuing this virus that is killing people yeah so it's funny we have this disease of addiction that we all live with and that we've all stabilized from at this moment which is really excellent and yet for
0: us to continue to maintain that stabilization we have to give it away yeah how do we do that now you know and I can I can do I do if you guys watch the God Logic Project and I'm sure everybody out there in TV land watches the God Logic Project every week about a third of my episodes are on recovery and the recovery community, uh, but that is—it's uh, it, nice to to talk or to hear to hear someone uh, who who lives the shared experience of recovery. But it's not the same as being together in that recovery process, right? It's same with the meetings. Uh, I've been going to some uh, online meetings, of recovery meetings, and. Uh, uh, besides the fact that nobody can use the Zoom app, you know anybody over thirty can't use the Zoom app. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been I couldn't either unless I was using it for the podcast the last year. But the uh, uh, it, it is there is a there is a disconnect and there is an emotional disconnect from that, right? So you're not getting phone numbers, you're not shaking hands, you're not having coffee afterwards, you're not picking someone up and dropping them off and having that meeting in the car on the way, right? Right. Uh, and where people will truly open up at that point. So. Uh, what are some uh, what are some solutions do you think uh, as much as we can do with the electronic stuff? What, are, Lauren? What are some of the solutions we, for the uh, for this season now? Right. So well, there's not much we can do yet. Right now, maybe a month from now, this is less of an issue, and we're back to the okay. normal recovery process, which is not fun in, to begin with. Uh, what are some of the uh, what are some tools since you're young and hip? Right. What are some tools that uh, that we can use to uh, k- stay plugged in and keeping uh, keep some kind of emotional connection with the people around us? I mean, it, is social media enough? It doesn't seem real to me. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it um, it absolutely does make sense. Uh, what we need is for the quote unquote old timers to um, to step out and and reach out their hand. Obviously, not physically, mm-hmm. um, but um, one of the things that we have come up with is um, with recovery epicenter is that people in recovery sharing their story um, so if there's anybody out there that has a year or more sober even less than a year if they'd like to share their story we'd be happy to post it onto our uh, social media so we can reach more people
0: and I'm gonna show your website uh, but it just reminded me I got an email and then I never did the video so I'm embarrassed now I should have done I should have done that this morning when I knew you were coming uh, but I got an, an email invitation to do that, and I never did. So uh, uh, that's about as much as you can expect from me, folks. While blessed with stunning good looks, I'm not terribly bright. <laughs> I'd rather look like this, the truth is. You get, you get a lot further like this than you would, like, being smart, like reading and writing, you know? <laughs> All right, I'll stop. All right, so let's, uh, let's do this. Let's show, your, let's show the Recovery Epicenter website. Uh, I'm going to drop that on the screen now. And so tell me what I'm looking at here, Will. Uh, this, is, this is a way they can uh, reach out to you to get an idea of the services you offer. They can re- contact you also on Facebook from here. Yes, sir. So
1: from here, you can see our mission, our vision, uh, what we've been up to since 2014 when we started. 2015 when we became a 501c3. And uh, 2016 when we became an accredited, uh, not an accredited, excuse me, we're working on Capris accreditation right now, but an ARCO member in 2016 and so throughout those years um, we have had a numerous different uh, uh, evolutions to this process and as we have grown we have included more and more ways in which we can uh, improve and help our community Um, over the last three years we've trained over 50 recovery coaches between hillsborough pinellas and pasco county Um, we also uh, in the last two years have uh, distributed uh, well over uh, 2500 uh, doses of Narcan to our community. Um, and it has been an absolute amazing uh, experience to have people give us a call and say, Hey, your Narcan saved our life. Yeah. Um, and from there to be able to connect them with people who could help them navigate early recovery through the recovery coaches and get them involved in the community. Um, overall, though, um, our uh, website is much more of a uh, informational platform of what are best practices? What are uh, going on? What resources can they access? Um, because we're not able to necessarily do detox. We're not able to necessarily do counseling. We are just a peer-to-peer support network. Right. And uh, and by connecting them to those services, they can hopefully uh, begin to uh, grow in their recovery. And we're there to help them along that process.
0: So we, uh, uh, what's interesting is that you train recovery uh, coaches basically so and you spoke a little bit about and this is something that i don't do and traditionally you don't chase people right but you answer the phone when they call right so the i would say the harvest is plenty and the workers are few so i can't be chasing people i get phone calls all the time can you call my nephew in indiana can you call my cousin in massachusetts uh, you can give them my cell phone number and let them call me he won't do that yeah. then i'm 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 busy. I mean, you don't ambulance chase. Yeah, it, it doesn't work that way. But now, maybe in this season, Lauren touched on it a little bit. Uh, maybe it's time for old timers who are used to their traditional approach to to twelve step work to say, "Hey, I mean, I should be I should be knocking on knocking on some electronic doors, right? Hitting people up on Facebook or by text message just to check in on them." And then it dawns on me, we got 50 trained uh, professionals that maybe could be could be quite an army for. Uh, for for providing that, right?
1: I would encourage every single person that we have trained who is watching this, as well as anyone in the recovery community, to start making a minimum of five to 10 calls every single day to people that you are not, you normally would have regularly seen that you aren't seeing right right now. We, We have to stick together. And if we choose to just circle the wagons, stick around what we already know, as opposed to continuing to check in on people, don't get me wrong, recovery will, survive. I mean, that's really the beautiful thing about this way of life. You're in recovery, Lauren's in recovery, I'm in recovery. So long as we continue to live by this way of life and do what we need to do, we can be there to help somebody else out in the future. Yeah, yeah. there's so many hundreds of people out there right now who are suffering. And all they need is someone to say, you know what, man, I know exactly what you are going through. I've been there myself. And here's how I got out of that. Yeah, they just need that light at the end of the tunnel.
0: So here's what I'm, I'm going to do then, and we have no show notes. We talked about before the show, I usually have show notes, so we don't have that today because we're, we're just kind of round it here. This was a last-minute uh, setup we did. Uh, I'm going to put the uh, Recovery Epicenter Foundation uh, uh, website up again, and that is uh, recoveryepicenterfoundation.org, and it dawns on me that most of the text messages that I'm getting are coming from family members of addicts. Uh, they may be unaware if they don't live with that addict what that person is going through being so isolated. It may be an opportunity for them to get that information, recovery epicenter, get it out to people like me, get it to the God Logic Project, and um, and we can do some of the footwork. In this season, we can do some of the footwork for you. So the uh, let's do it together. Absolutely, and family members out there who are
1: have children in recovery, you're in recovery too. So that ability to uh, tell others about your own personal experience of how you were there to support your child and or provide a good, solid boundary so that they had the opportunity to learn for themselves, that experience is just as valuable to these parents that are out there suffering as much as an addict and alcoholic reaching out to another addict and alcoholic. So, I mean, please, if you are someone who feels like your child is stabilized, get with us and let's start communicating with family members who yeah. are suffering.
0: And I just uh I just spoke at a 30th anniversary of Al-Anon type of setup and I was uh I was the kind of 12 step speaker uh between two Al-Anon speakers and uh, uh it was like being dropped behind enemy lines by the way. Oh, it was yeah. like going to a Yankee <laughs> game at Fenway Park. I've so the, they before. were all like uh but the uh uh there are i say it all the time but the 12-step programs have saved more lives than penicillin in this world if you consider the families my son right my kids my mother and father they had to deal with me right my brothers and sisters anybody that ever made the mistake of employing me had to deal with (laughs) with having me in their lives you know so the amount of lives that that uh that are affected by one person and making through the recovery process uh is exponential right so the it's not just us it's not just the millions of people in recovery but the billions of people that had somebody that wasn't in recovery that is in recovery now, and maybe millions of people who lost somebody that never made it through the process, and I'm, those are the phone calls I'm getting. While we're on the subject, and I do this every show, uh, if there's uh, anything I can do for you guys personally, either spiritually or uh, relatives of recovery uh, for you or a family member, message me at godlogicproject.com. Uh, I do this all the time. It's how I spend my time for the most part. I'm a pastor, so I don't have much to do. uh i only work on sunday so the uh if you need me for anything message me godlogicproject.com uh if you're watching this and you like the content please subscribe ring the alert bell if you see our stuff on social media trying to raise awareness for this project as much as possible you see our stuff on social media please share it Uh, if you comment uh i will go through i will go through the comments at the end of the show and i'll I'll respond to every comment on there but if, if there's anything i can do for you guys it's really the point of the god logic project is to is to uh, be here for you guys. So godlogicproject.com, you can message me and I'll get right back to you. Uh, if I could be of service, I certainly will. And that goes for, uh, for a lot of people in the recovery community. Now, uh, Lauren, we have, uh, we have, uh, uh, in this area, we have a pretty dynamic recovery uh, community, right? So I, you and I know a lot of the same people, right? Right. So we've turned in, in a lot of the same circles. So, uh, There are people available and there are people i we know the same people and i know they're willing to help uh so what can we do you think to uh uh, we can technically hold meetings so long as we're outdoors and six feet apart or something like that is that correct that's correct so are some of the uh, clubhouses doing that do you guys know yes so the if they reach out to recovery epicenter we can put them six feet away from another addict or alcoholic uh with a phone call so uh Uh, Absolutely, It is doable, right? So uh, if if there's something we can do to help you guys through that process. Now, did you bring a sample? Look, it's even got your sticker on the back. (laughs) Uh, We're going to go, we're going to show you guys now uh, uh, what we've been talking about and and what you may not have understood what we were talking about is we're talking about Narcan. So uh, Narcan is a, a, uh, this is a nasal spray that will, it's an opiate blocker that will, that will bring somebody back who is overdosed from opiates, basically, right? So life-saving medication. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and some of the comments I got today, and and the woman that uh, that uh, uh, her son OD'd now the second time. Her Narcan saved his life the first time, and CPR did it this time, and, and he's he's awake but in rough shape. Uh, go through the process of what Narcan is and how it works, and and people have to understand that you don't need a prescription for this stuff, and and it's not that. People who are addicted to opiates are going to get, they don't need to have Narcan, but people in their lives need to have Narcan. I keep it in the Correct. studio. I keep it in the in the car glove compartment. Uh, you never know, especially in the circles we turn in, but kind of explain the Narcan process, what it is. I know this is short notice, and then how, how it's applied. Uh,
2: so um, Narcan completely reverses the effects of opioids. So basically what it does is it Completely rips the opioids off of the re- opioid receptors. Um, so basically, it's a nasal spray and um, it's very simple. You just put it right up their nose. Um, you should also call 911. Right. Um, and follow their instructions. Sometimes uh, the person needs a second dose, and there is a second dose in this box.
0: And you cannot give too much Narcan. Uh, so, and, and part of the uh, caveat is. In 30 or 40 minutes, the Narcan is going to wear off, and they could then go fall back into the original overdose state. Which is why you need to call 911. Yeah, you need exactly. to get you need to get 911 out there right away. And and uh, uh, so you give them you give them Narcan. You do a sternum rub. Try to try to uh, wake them up. Make them uncomfortable to that for that uh, uh, for that moment that they're uh, that they come to consciousness again. You kind of prod them back into consciousness. And uh, you can't you give it to them. If it doesn't work. Give it to them again. We need to get these people breathing, uh, and uh, start
1: CPR. Call nine one one. Get that process going. And and sometimes even if they're just sleeping and you're worried about them, it isn't going to hurt them. Yeah. <laughs> just give them Narcan. And the best part of it is, is Recovery Epicenter has it for free. Yeah. And we are happy to hand it out to anyone who's asking for it. Because like you were talking about, Kevin, like we can't ambulance chase. We would love to be able to get this in hands of every single person who wants it. But all they have to do is reach out and say, "Hey, man, I need some Narcan," and I promise you, we'll get it to you.
0: And if you have a family member or a friend or a neighbor, or you you run a church or you run a recovery program, uh, where you're more when you're if you're handing out food, if you're if you're likely to come in contact with people. And I live in holidays, so I'm I come in contact with people struggling with opiate addiction all the time. Yes, sir. Uh, the uh, this is something you need to have. Uh, uh, that could save a life, and, and I uh, statistically like seventy percent of the times that it sa- that Narcan saves a life, it is administered by non-professionals. So only thirty percent of the time is it EMT or a doctor giving it, uh, but seventy percent of the time it's 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 people like you and I.
1: Absolutely, right. I mean the the entire thing is is that you as a family member, as a friend, as a brother, as a employee, as an employer, this is a life-saving medication. The only thing that Narcan enables is breathing. Yeah. A person cannot get better if they die from this thing. Right. If and they
0: if the they stop breathing, it's game over.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: And so the uh, uh, this is they can reach out. I'm going to put your website up again, but they can reach out to Recovery Epicenter. Uh, and we can we're going to we've already been talking about it. I've been on some conference calls where we're trying to uh, strategically get this stuff out in mass. Right. Uh, so there are literally thousands of, of doses available uh, and for free. You don't need a prescription. And if you are an addict or you, you, if there's more likely an addict in your life, uh, uh, this is something you're going to want to have available all the time. And what's so
1: great about the state of Florida through DCF is they have made it available through multiple organizations. Yeah. And that is so amazing. So there is a plethora of this life-saving medication available that all it takes is, like Lauren was saying, just one nozzle, you know. <laughs> I don't know how to say the one word. One squirt. Squirt, yeah. Like, it's just... Yep. And then, all right, call 911, start chest compressions, follow their instructions. If you need to do another one, do it. one. If you need to do four, do four. I mean, there is
0: no amount of Narcan that is too much. And, and the, one of the great things about uh, Pasco County, and, and I'm not one to say great things about Pasco County sheriffs, uh, but the uh, uh, they all have Narcan now in the car with them, yep. right? So, and and where I live in, pa- in West Pasco, this is... Uh, uh, there's a lot of cops in this area because of the need for cops in this area. There's a lot of deputies, uh, so you got to get that 911 call done because if the ambulance doesn't get there, the cop, the deputy with the Narcan will be there. And by the way, Good Samaritan laws apply. So if you are if you're worried about getting in trouble because you because you called the sheriff, uh, you you have legal protection that that can't happen, which is another big. Uh, Another big plus. And I'd love
1: to give a huge shout out to Captain Tony Road. She has been a huge supporter of uh, the recovery movement in the Pasco area. Um, the uh, I I grew up in uh, I grew up believing that the cops were out to get me, and that's because I was <laughs> ripping and running. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just part of the lifestyles. You don't want to get caught by the cops. But what's so amazing, not only about being on the other side of that in recovery now, is that. Uh, The police are there to help us. I know that might sound weird if you're still out there using, but they truly are. And uh, the sheriff here in Pasco, uh, their department is absolutely amazing. Uh, Captain Jenkins, Captain Roach, I mean, these people are dedicated to saving lives when, I mean, their mandate is just to protect against crime. Instead, they are devoting their time and their effort to not only make sure that people are surviving this, but they're having better opportunities. So I'm incredibly grateful for everything that
0: they're doing. And and, and as far as our, our local politicians go or local businesses, we, they need to understand, and, and I've said this on several episodes, but the not only are we taking away a community liability by bringing these helping these folks through the recovery process, but we're building assets. So the same guy that was robbing your store a year ago could be your best employee next year. Absolutely. Uh, and alcoholics and drug addicts tend to be Very smart, very hardworking, uh, excellent salesman, right? What recovery capital assessments actually have taught us is that
1: 70% of people in recovery are more likely to volunteer than somebody who's not.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: that person who was in jail, that person who was stealing and, you know, taking your stuff to the pawn shop and messing up families and, and all the damage that we can create, now they're in recovery, they've become the person who is the most asset to your community, helping out on the neighborhood watch, in the PTA meetings, yep. being involved. Like I like to joke around with newcomers and I use the, the Fight Club line. It's like, hey man, we're everywhere. Yeah, You know, like we're, we're your janitors, we're, we're your politicians, we're your lawyers,
0: we're your doctors. We're just not
1: drinking and drugging anymore.
0: I've literally been at a local clubhouse sitting down, sitting and talking to a uh, a lawyer who pulled up in a Lincoln Navigator and a homeless dude, yeah. right? And I'm, we're we're all we're all eating the same McDonald's, drinking the same coffee. There's no real difference between the plumber, the lawyer, and the homeless dude. At that moment, we are uh, we are truly uh, uh, addiction does not discriminate. No, and it, it's not a it's not a uh, respecter of persons. You know, so it is. Uh, uh, it's pretty scary that uh, that there is still such a stigma attached to it. Uh, and I've never and I understand the principle of anonymity, but I've never really kept it a secret of my background. And I've had customers, plumbing customers who've called me years later and said, you know, you quit drinking. I said, yeah. You still go to those meetings? Yeah. Could you pick me up for one? Yeah. It's a grown man that remembered his plumber who remodeled his bathroom, didn't drink and that he went to meetings. I must've blown my anonymity. house so would he know it? And, uh, it's a, it, it made an impact on that guy's life and that family, right? But that's amazing.
1: I mean, all the only stories that they ever get of people like us are the Charlie Sheens or the Mayors <laughs> and, and all this, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, it's so cool to see them get better as well. But the reality is, as we've been taught through a 12-step model that it's important for us to keep this a secret, that somehow it's shameful, and it's not, yep. all right? Relapse does not have to be a part of your story. It does happen if we haven't figured out what we need do. And so that's why we need to have the appropriate safety measures in place and help people as they slip, if they slip. But most importantly, we need to celebrate the fact that there are millions of people, three sitting in this room right here, practicing physical safe distancing, talking hopefully to an um, audience in recovery themselves and others who want to be in recovery. And this way of life and this what we get to do isn't something that needs to be anonymous. Yeah. Now the 12 steps have a tradition for anonymity and that's incredibly important for that organization so that organization can continue to do the good work that it does but personal anonymity man I, I just have never agreed with that idea and and it's I'm not protecting anyone by saying nope can't talk about that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like well, that doesn't that doesn't help anybody. Well as a pastor I can tell you that they're very uncomfortable with and I understand not, it, not being a, uh, a Christian focused program, even though we say the Lord's Prayer when it's over. I'm yeah. not going to say anything. <laughs> but <laughs> the, uh, uh, I've had people from the recovery community not want to come on the God Logic project because it's God Logic project because it, it is while it's a show about recovery, it mentions God and they are they are so conditioned to think that that will drive people out. And it might. But uh, our founders were smart enough to put the, the God steps first, right? I can he can, I'm going to let them. So uh, they knew they weren't ashamed of it. In, in fact, it wasn't until the, the second edition that that those references to to Jesus were taken out of the big book. By the way, yep. uh, now not I understand that we want to be as attractive. We want to get people first back from the gates of insanity and death uh, before we we really get deep into any kind of uh, spiritual journey. But uh, the the idea that we should that we should be that they two things are mutually exclusive is very dangerous, you know, and it's a, it's a human condition. It wasn't the way it was set up, uh, but it's the way we've kind of set it up in the last 30, 40 years.
1: And I think you made an incredibly important point there. I mean, the people that founded the 12 steps and provided finally a solution to those of us who have an addiction, finally, in the first time in human history, they were Judeo-Christian, Caucasian gentlemen, all right in the northeast and northwest of america. Yeah. Okay, that's our background. What we've expanded from from there is acceptance of every single pathway
0: to God all over yeah. the world all too. All over every the culture world. in the world has now has a 12 step recovery.
1: I love to tell people if you struggle with the whole idea of a power greater than yourself remember, we treated drugs and alcohol like a power greater than yeah. ourselves. We worshipped that stuff. It made us feel exactly the way we wanted to feel when we wanted to feel it. And now we have an opportunity to learn how to have a personal connection with a power greater than ourselves, of our own understanding, whatever that may be. So every single pathway to God, whether it's through Jesus Christ or another any uh, of them, any of them, allows us to stay sober because we are replacing that God-sized hole the drugs and alcohol we're filling with an actual spiritual experience that will save our life. Now to get there, we have to overcome a whole bunch of real-world situations. Yeah, yeah. What am I going to eat today? How am I going to have a roof over my head? When, where am I going to get employed when I'm a felon? Yeah. Like All of these actual real problems that then just make people not want to be a part of potentially, the, the like you were saying, the God Logic Project, because what has God done for me? Yeah. And then if we look around and it's, God
0: has done everything for us. And it is, it seems to me, the people with 20 and 30 years of recovery, very comfortable talking about their relationship with their higher power. Uh, and it is, uh, the, po- the important thing is it doesn't have to be, you don't have to believe what I believe, but believe that I believe, right? Yes, and there's, a reason, right. there's exactly. a reason people get this far, right? And we, if, you un- if, if you understand your higher power's will for you, you have an equal power, right? So they're, they're, I don't need a drunk Irish plumber to help me through life because that guy got me in a lot of trouble. I need something to guide me through this process that is that is perfect and, and above me, right? So the uh, uh, it just seems to me that we've created some certain uh, divides that ne- never had to be there, and and the, and it goes along with the uh, uh, the denial of, of our family members are not addicts, right? I just had a conversation with somebody, and and the, what they described to me sounds like addict behavior, and yeah. and weight loss, uh, neurotic. Uh, it, Money missing, mm-hmm. and, and but they swear it's uh it's it's just weed, and I'm thinking that it's hard to smoke like three thousand dollars worth of weed, yeah. right? Oh yeah. So the uh, and I've tried. I know it's hard. <laughs> 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 so it's, <laughs>
1: it, it's actually what Recovery Epicenter is most uh, encouraged about. We've been in part of Fed Up rallies and uh, Nope vigils and other yep. pieces for advocacy, but the reality is, is there is a stigma in this world against asking for help. Yeah. All right. We're we're American. All yeah. right? We should be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstrap and it kind of goes back into why when we're in isolation, we're seeing that mentality fail. We're seeing that idea that we can just be okay by ourselves, taking care of our own issues and we're seeing it fail and, and it's costing human lives. Yep. So what we get an opportunity to do through Recovery Epicenter is to not only let people know that re- we do recover and it is amazing. But that you can do it too. Yeah. And all it takes is all of us together being a part of it.
0: And it is it is not just that we recover, that we stay and we talked about it before the show. Uh, I didn't just stay miserable, right? I didn't just uh, uh, I didn't just quit and then uh, do nothing with my life. So I after I had a year I was I, I went to college. Yep. Somebody like me going to college is a big deal. I dropped out of high school. Congratulations. Uh, I used to do stand up I said I'm gonna go do stand up comedy in the clubs. Sober, which is crazy. Who does that sober? Uh, I did it for years sober. You know, sure, so.
2: it brought you some really good jokes, though. Yeah, well, the, uh, the sober plumber.
0: Now, now that I'm a pastor, I can't tell most of the jokes I used to tell. <laughs> so I'm going to read some of the uh, comments here on on the uh, on the uh, YouTube channel. A lot of people are watching. Uh, Tricon uh, Tricon Combat Fitness talks about the uh, the experience that he he went through as a as a combat veteran. Is the same, what we're describing for addicts and alcoholics is very much what the what, uh, uh, veterans are going through when they're coming back from active duty in war wow. zones. So they've been deployed in war zones, and, and, and then to get back to civilian life is very tough. And I just so happened I took a call from uh, a text message from somebody, a 20 year old, uh, married, uh, a three year old, and a six year old, uh, killed himself because he, and, and, and this family member said he could not adjust to life outside of the military. Oh man. Uh and he wow. he did he was in his twenties. So very, very uh We gotta got support one. our veterans better. And it is the kind of uh a foxhole camaraderie that you see in the military is what you see in recovery, and you don't really see it in many other places. Maybe first responders, the military, people in recovery. Those are our brothers and sisters in arms.
1: Yeah. We're trying to save each other's life. You didn't see it in plumbing.
0: <laughs> we were competing with each other. Uh, uh Chaos God says he's uh He's in a sober living facility. He's lucky for that. Uh, He's surrounded by people in recovery, and that's what we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, But so many people out there don't have that luxury. They're completely alone in recovery, and not everyone has the Internet or even makes Zoom meetings, which is true. And it's it's hard for uh, addicts or alcoholics to get outside of their comfort zone, so it's hard for us to do different things. And I certainly, even decades into my recovery— this quarantine screwed up my schedule, right? I am a creature of habit. I like i like to know I'm preaching on Wednesdays, I'm preaching on Thursday, I'm teaching on Friday. You know, uh, I like my schedule regular, right? Yep. So this—this this changed everything. All my outside speaking engagements gone. My son home from school. I thought about dropping him off at the parking lot and just with his laptop, let him <laughs> do his schoolwork. There. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm it's right very—it's <laughs> very difficult for us as social creatures, particularly people in recovery, are very social creatures. Uh, for us to be like that cut off from our from our social supports which is is very dangerous. Uh somebody named Casey Penn. I'm not sure who that is. She says, <laughs> "Hi Dad and Lauren." Hi Casey. Uh, and she also says, "Prayer prayers in Narcan."
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh and then uh somebody's made an imp- uh, one of us made an impact on Casey's life, I'm assuming me, cuz she grew up around meetings, she says. Uh and now she's in the program herself, which is awesome. Hey, congratulations. Uh, Chaos God says, recover out loud. I happen to have a shirt that says that. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, some punk named Adam Adam Robertson. By the grace of God, I have choices today. Right on, brother. That's my son-in-law. He's not a punk. He's an awesome guy. He's a good and, man. Uh, good man. Uh, set aside the pride. This is Chaos God. Set aside the pride and ask for help. And that's, that's the most important thing. So when I first, and you guys... Uh, don't know this about me maybe you know a little bit more about me but uh, I, I went to meetings for five six seven years I told jokes I got there late I left early I set up for the you know the parties and events then I wouldn't go to the party and event uh, I wasn't gonna hug I wasn't gonna pray I wasn't gonna read the books I wasn't gonna tell anybody about my feelings uh, I was gonna quit drinking and toughen up a little bit 17 and a half years into my recovery I'm gonna kill myself with that strategy right yeah. so those first three steps and the importance of all the all the steps is that those first three steps keep you sober the rest of your life it may not keep you from killing yourself five years from now so it is important that we go through this process and, and have the accountability of our social networks and these types of things uh, I was when I was gonna kill myself 14 years ago probably shouldn't say this on the air uh, I didn't have a friend in the world I had nobody to call I had employees and customers every relationship I had was about money it was about remodeling and con- construction and who am I gonna sub out to whom, whom is gonna sub out to me Uh all of my friends were, every relationship I had was based on money. And it, that almost includes my now ex-wife and my kids, who I uh, would buy stuff for so they would leave me alone mostly, you know. Mm. Uh, so it is, uh, uh, It is for us, for people like us, This is. it's not just misery, right? It doesn't have to be just misery. The last 14 years of my life have been absolutely amazing, and the friends I've made. Uh, you saw that. We had a, a little parade of joy from my 11 year old who lost his mom last week and there was there must have been 250 or 300 people there yeah, the motorcycle was, clubs and yeah. and it was amazing it was amazing and uh uh and a lot of people that i haven't seen that lauren knows i haven't seen it for 10 years you know and, and still like we didn't miss a day you know yeah. so it is uh, uh it, i can't explain the relationship you have with people in recovery i just can't explain it and, and You guys know what I mean, but it's hard to explain to people that don't know what we mean. Well, because we
1: confuse the people that we were ripping and running with and really using the same way that we were using drugs and alcohol with actual friendships. Yeah. Because anything besides surface level is incredibly terrifying to someone who is using a a substance. Yeah. And, And it doesn't have to be terrifying. And the only way that we find out that it's not terrifying is like that guy who commented, let go of your pride, ask for help, call, man. Yeah, I promise you, it's
0: gonna get better. And the truth is, if you're close enough to help me, you're close enough to hurt me. Yeah. And and people people like us, people with my background, I can't speak for you guys, but my background ain't great, right? So people like me, uh, I, I was a hologram most of my life of Kevin, right?
1: We, so, we have severe trust issues because we aren't very trusting. Yeah. <laughs> so I would always
0: with my with my wit and my insults and my sarcasm keep everybody uncomfortable around me till I can get out of there. I literally, by the way, can speak to a group of two or 300 people perfectly comfortably. When it's over, I want to go. I want to get out of there. I'm, I'm, I, I, it's still hard for me to one-on-one with people, but I can one-on-300 every day. I'm not uncomfortable that way. So it is, uh, it is getting out of your comfort zone. One of the things that a guy told me a long time ago at a local clubhouse was uh, uh, he didn't say I had to do it, but he said his sponsor made him say hello to everybody before the meeting. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and so I started doing it. And, you know, it's part of my job now. I'm a pastor. And, and I, I, in the beginning, had to force myself to go around this church and say hello to everybody before the service. And, and now they're not there. I miss them every Sunday, you know. Uh, so it, it, it knocking me out of that comfort zone is what really, uh, I, I say it all the time, but this is the easiest version of Kevin I've ever had to be in my life, you know. And I don't have a lot of the, a lot of the material things I used to have and I'm happier now, right? I know you guys, right? We get to sit down in, in a pot in a very cool podcast studio and talk about this stuff and, and maybe make a difference for, for the rest of our lives, you know? And if you're young and you, you get uh, clean and sober, think about how many lives you can affect. And I wasted that, but that doesn't mean everybody has to, you know? So, uh, uh, it's really good that we can do this and have these conversations. Thank you uh, for allowing us to be here and hanging out with you.
2: Yes. Thanks, thank for, you.
0: thanks for coming out on short notice. I, I was certain that uh, when I asked Lauren, I was certain she would say no because she's shy like me. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so we're going to, we'll say goodbye to folks. I'm going to show your website one more time. And, and really guys, recovery epicenter, Uh, it's a good place to start. Uh, and really, uh, it's not just for addicts and alcoholics, but people that even if you're just worried that there's an addict or alcoholic in your life, uh, there's people to talk to, right? GodLogicProject.com, you can talk to me personally. Uh, I've, I've been at this a long, long time now, and I, uh, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's services available. The cool thing about the GodLogic project is there are services available that, that are just uncoordinated in a sense, right? So we don't know what's available, what funding's available, what program's still running, what program's not still running being running the God logic projects has put me in position where I'm, I, I have people inside and outside now the state of Florida that, that are in the recovery community. So, uh, uh, if there's, if there's somebody I can, is there something I can do to help you? I certainly will. And if I can't, I'd probably be able to find somebody that can, and not just for you, but family members as well. So don't be afraid to contact me at GodLogicProject.com. logic uh, and, and again, all I ask is that you subscribe, ring the alert bell, and, and be part of the conversation. I appreciate everybody that comments on here and, uh, uh, Folks are shopping in Amazon. They're clicking on, they're going to GodLogicProject.com first, clicking on the Amazon logo, and shopping as normal. And Amazon sending two, three percent. So far, it hasn't been very much, uh, but they, they're sending a little bit of money to help support the GodLogic Project. Oh, that's it's, awesome! It's an extra click, and it doesn't cost you a thing. So uh, I want to preach. I want to thank you guys for supporting the GodLogic Project for watching these shows, and I want to thank you guys for taking the time to be in here on such short notice. Lauren, if we were going to say. If you're going to give your two-minute elevator speech, if you're going to tell somebody what you do, if somebody asks what you do, uh, uh, give us a – just spend a couple of minutes telling them what you, what you do for Recovery Epicenter and how you can make a difference.
2: Like what I do personally? Yeah. What's okay. your role in Recovery Epicenter? So my role is Narcan Distribution um, and also making that connections with the resources that are available.
0: So there is, uh, and you are active in the recovery community because I know that because we have mutual friends. We're friends now, of course, but only for a couple months, I guess, or a few months. Uh, and then, Will, uh, if we're going to sign off, uh, you, you see somebody that has, somebody mentions they have a family member that needs help. What do you tell them?
1: Tell them to give us a call so that we can put you in contact
0: with somebody else who has a solution. Yeah, yeah. And so there are there are opportunities uh, available out here and there's a there's a lot of services available I have attorneys that specialize in addiction and mental illness uh, there is there is uh, funding available sometimes for people that uh, that need to get into a recovery program or get into detox uh, so and these folks have all been on the show so you can, you can go through the uh, playlist the recovery playlist and, and kind of get to know them all first if you'd like uh, but that's our show tonight we've been going about 51 minutes 51 minutes 34 seconds uh, and I appreciate you guys as always being on here. And uh, if no one's told you they love you today, God loves you, and so do I. Receive that, be blessed, and we'll speak soon. Now, the outro music. Thank you for supporting the God Logic Project. And if no one's told you they love you today, God loves you. And so I do always I. sign off so you so be blessed. We'll speak soon. This has been a Rev Kev production. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> Shut
1: up, Kevin.